If you have a uh, Bible with you this morning, turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5 is where we will spend most of our time this morning. We have finished our study through the letter of Colossians, and for the next few weeks, I want us to uh, spend our time looking at one of the uh, aspects of our vision, and uh, that being responding to God's worth. And how we do that, how we bring that about is through our worship. Our worship is uh, here this morning as a body that is gathered together, but it's also um, each and every day as we live our lives scattered wherever God has us. Like a couple of weeks ago, some of us were in Thailand, Uh, some of us are in DeSoto County and Hernando all the time, or up in Memphis, wherever he has us, we are to worship. And I believe we worship him, God, a number of reasons. The foremost is just because of who he is. The second is for what he has done, what he's done for us. We've entitled this aspect of vision, responding to God's worth, we are vibrantly responding in joy to who God is, what He has done, and what He has said. Having experienced Him and being enabled by His Holy Spirit, we worship Him both gathered as the body and scattered individually. Presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, we live lives of worship to the only worthy one, through prayer, reading of the word, giving, singing, and serving. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at this, and we're going to see this um, throughout God's word, throughout his scripture, and um, hopefully it will allow us to live differently. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. God, I ask that as uh, we are here this morning, Lord, you'd speak to us. God, you would draw us close to you. Lord, you are the only worthy one. Father, it brought tears to my eyes to see those bowing down before false gods, before those gods that men's hands have made. There's no power there. There's no life there. It is a dead idol. But Father, also in our culture and in our lives, there are dead idols that we bow down to instead of bowing down to You as well. Lord, would you show us this morning from from your word how much you love us? God, would you show us uh, from your word this morning your desire for action in our lives? God, I love you, we love you, and 
Would you just allow the black ink on the white page to, to sink in into our minds, into our hearts, into our lives this morning so that you would receive glory and your name, your kingdom would be furthered because as I stated, Lord, you are the only one that is worthy. God, we thank you and we ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. March the 14th, 1912 was a great day. It, 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 was, a, it was a day that if you love cookies, you should be so thankful for that day. Because in 1912, on March the 14th, the National Biscuit Company created Oreos. Oreos is it's a great cookie. It's a great cookie because there are two chocolate wafers, and if they were by themselves, they'd just be, okay, it's ho-hum, it's a chocolate wafer cookie. But because there is filling in between those two chocolate wafers, that makes all the difference. Now, my favorite, you would have to wait until the middle of 1974. The middle of 1974, they got really smart, and they put double the stuffing inside those two chocolate wafers. And it was or is great. I don't know how you like to eat Oreos. One of my favorite ways to eat an Oreo is to take one of the sides off, eat the filling, and either throw away both of the wafers because I really just like the filling, or just eat one of the wafers and discard the other. This morning, as I read the passage in front of us, in Romans chapter 5, I want us to eat this sermon or allow this sermon to come in. Kind of like that Oreo, we're going to see the two wafers and that's going to be um, at the end, but we're going to dive directly into the filling, into the middle of this passage and see how you and I can respond to God's Word. Romans chapter 5 Verse 1 and following is recorded this way. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. 
But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. If we dive right into the middle of it, we see verses 5 through 8, and we see a few points. The, the first is this, that God's action toward us is overwhelming. His action toward us is overwhelming. Verses 5 through 8, it speaks of His action of what God does. He acts and His actions are demonstrations of who He is. Another way to put it is this. His actions flow out of His essence. He acts in a certain way because that is who He is. The reason that He acts the way that He acts is because of who He is who His character is, who His attributes are. 1 John 4, verses 7-10 through state it this way, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. In Romans chapter 5, Verse 6 and verse 8, it tells us that God demonstrated this love toward us. While we were sinners, while we were enemies against Him, He loved us. Why did He do this? Because of who He is. He's love. One of the main reasons that we respond to God through worship is because of who He is. If you take God's Word and you uh, just begin reading in Genesis chapter 1, a couple of things you need to understand when you begin to read Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 does not give you a moment-by-moment introduction of why God created everything or even how God created everything. It doesn't answer every question that you come to it with and say, well, how long ago was it? What, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Whatever those questions are that you have, that I have, it's not necessarily their chapter and verse. But one of the great things and one of the main reasons that he gave us this book is because it shows us who he is. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God 
created the heavens and the earth. In chapter 2, not only do we have the term God or the name God, but we have the Lord God. A different name brings about a different character, a different attribute of who He is. And if you continue to read verse after verse, chapter after chapter, He continues to allow you and allow me to see who He is. And out of who He is, He acts. Genesis chapter 22, one of my favorite stories in Genesis, shows us that he is provider. What does he do? He provides a sacrifice for Abraham. Exodus chapter 3, as he is calling Moses, he um, allows Moses to see just a small glimpse another attribute, another characteristic of who he is. And he says to Moses, Moses, uh, take off your sandals because the place that you're standing on is holy ground. And he begins to dialogue and converse back and forth with Moses. And in that dialogue, he says, Moses, I want you to go and I want you to uh, talk with Pharaoh and I want you to uh, lead my people out of bondage in Egypt to the land of promise. And Moses says, uh, God, 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 God uh, I can't, I stutter. And he says, Moses, go and lead my people. And he says, you, you've got the wrong guy. He says, they're not going to believe me. I fled from there 40 years ago. How, how did they know who you are? And he says this. Tell them that I am sent you. Not the God of yesteryear. Not the God just out in the future that's promised, but the God of the present. Tell them that I am sent you. And Moses goes, and God comes through. John wrote it in 1 John 4 that God is love. Paul wrote it in Romans chapter 5 that he demonstrated that love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I believe in the English language we, uh, we might overuse the word love. I don't want to offend anybody here. I did not go out in the parking lot to look and see if this was on your bumper sticker or not. But the other day I was driving down the road and I saw the word love used in a bumper sticker that I had never seen before. And if this is you, please don't raise your hand and acknowledge that. Okay? But it said, I heart, I love my grandcats. If that's you, don't tell me. But we go from I loving our grandcats to I love my spouse to actions of sexual intimacy between our spouses or even that we speak of I love God or others that we care for. In Scripture, in 
the Greek language, there are a number of terms, three or four terms used for the word that we translate in English, love. But in this passage, it is this. Paul says that God demonstrates sacrificial, total, selfless love toward us. That while we were yet sinners, He died for us. God's action toward us is totally undeserved. It's not warranted by anything that you do. You might think of yourself a little better than somebody else down the road or down the row from you that's seated in here. You might think of yourself as, hey, I'm better than this person or that person. But understand this, that God's action, that His love toward you is totally undeserved. And this in turn, makes God's action of His love that while we were yet sinners, overwhelming. Think about your week. This past week. The last seven days of your life. Did you deserve? Did you deserve the love that God gave you? You and I don't deserve it. We're so grateful that that is how He acts, that that is who He is, that He does not change. No matter if my words are kind to Paige or my words are unkind. No matter if my actions are right or wrong. No matter if I sin or don't sin, He demonstrates His love towards you and toward me in the same fashion because that is who He is and it overwhelms you and me. He acts the way that He acts because that's who He is. And to be honest, that's the same as you and me. Jesus stated in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, out of the abundance of the heart, a man speaks. And then a couple of chapters later in chapter 15, verse 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, out of the heart come murder, out of the heart come adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. God's action, Him demonstrating love toward you and toward me overwhelms us because you and I don't deserve it. But second, we see not only that it's overwhelming, but God's action brings about peace between God and man. Look back at verses 4 through 7 for just a moment. He says this, More than that, let me start in 3, it's the beginning of the sentence, More than that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. His action brings about peace in your life and my life. What is peace? Preached a funeral yesterday and uh, talked about peace. Spiritually speaking, peace is this. It is, it is 
being at a time of calm, even when everything else around you, the whole world around you is in an uproar. It is foundational. And it comes about because God's action, who He is, what He demonstrates, what He does, it brings about peace between you and Him. It's His action that brings this peace. It's His actions, which He did first, that allows you and allows me to be in right standing with Him. The first action that He demonstrated is that of love. The, the second action that He demonstrated, you see there in these verses, since you and I, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The second action is that of justification. What is that? That's, that's a theological term you and I don't use more than likely in our everyday conversations. We don't go along and see a friend, see a neighbor, see a co-worker and say, hey, are you justified? We just don't use that term. It's not in our culture. But it is in the culture of God. Because that's how He looks at you and that's how He looks at me. He has justified us. Uh, remember Adrian Rogers always describing it this way. He said, it's just as if I'd never sinned. It's He looks at you, He looks at me, even though we are sinners. Chapter 5, verse 8. Even though we are sinners, we have sinned, we will sin again. He looks at us as if we had never sinned. His first action is love. His second action is justification. His third action is that we are being placed in Him. He has placed us in Him, in His Son, Jesus Christ. And because of these actions, it brings about this fourth one, that we have peace. Peace with who? Peace with the uh, Iranians? Peace with the Russians? Peace with our neighbor, peace with our spouse. No, peace with God. Because of his action, multiplied actions, Paul tells those at Rome and he tells you and me because of these actions that we see, it brings about peace. You and I need to be reminded that it's God's actions that brings about his peace. His son died on a cross. His son shedding blood, perfect, spotless, sinless blood, brought about the ability for peace. These actions are brought about by God, and they're done in one of two places. They're either done before salvation. Because He demonstrates His love toward us, and that has been there before the foundation of the world. He justifies us. He died for us. He brings about peace. They're either before salvation, or they're at the moment of salvation. And that, those actions bring about peace. So if those two things are the filling... And that's the good stuff because that's coming from God to you and to me. 
let's look at some wafers for just a moment. Not to say that they're bad, but that's from you and me to the Father. Because of God's action, one's response to God is worship. Therefore, since we've been justified, since we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through Him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, we rejoice. I don't know what your week's been like. Some of your week has been good. Some, some of our weeks here have not been good. Some of our weeks we've been in a hospital because of a loved one's been there. Some of us, our week's been standing or sitting across the table from our boss because they just didn't like the job that we were doing. I don't know what your week has been about, but this, because what God has demonstrated for you, because of what God has demonstrated for me, it should bring about rejoicing in your life and in my life. One's response to God is worship. Sean has stated it here. I have stated it here. Stephen stated it. The reason we are in this place this morning is not for you to be entertained by those that are up here singing. It's not for you to be um, up here and say, man, you know what? Sean missed a note on the guitar. Brian, he, missed, he misquoted a passage in the verse. It is for us to come together to an audience of one and respond to it. That is worship. You are here this morning lifting up your voices. You are to be here this morning lifting up your voices because of Him. These verses, this time, this sermon, all of the sermons are to direct us to respond to him and that response, whether it is through your lips, whether it is through your feet, because you are changing the way that you are living, your hands, you're changing the way the things that you're doing, your mind, you're thinking differently. It is a response and it's worship. When you and I see him for who he is. Our response is worship. Not only is it worship, but finally this morning we see a fourth truth from this passage. If you look right past verse 8, we see that man's action brings about change in life. Since... Since what? Since you have been justified, since you have peace with God, since you have seen His love demonstrated towards you, since you know that Christ died for you, since, therefore, we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more 
now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Because of all the things that God has done. You're no longer an enemy. You're a son. You're no longer an enemy. You're a daughter. He has drawn you close to Himself. If you accept His sacrifice, your action brings about a change. That change is not just for the moment. That change is not just for this week. That change is for all eternity. As I close, let me confess and tell you a story. I don't like awkward moments. I was sitting across the table from, uh, from somebody this week, and as we were talking, they, they stated something to me, and I just flippantly answered. And I'll tell you what they said, and I'll tell you what I said. But, but I just flippantly answered for one reason, because what they said about themselves hit me so hard, and I've been deal- I had been dealing with it for three days. And here's what they said. This person's uh, 20 years older than I am, and sat across the table from them, and, and they said, why is it, why is it that I keep doing all the things that I know that I'm not supposed to do. I keep doing those same things. I, I ask forgiveness for them, and, and, and it's okay, and then it's not however much time you want to put in between the time that you ask forgiveness and the time that you repent and the time that you are doing it again. And tears were coming down their face, and it was an awkward moment. It was an awkward moment physically because I saw the hurt in that person, but it was an awkward moment inside of me because I'm battling that same thing. And so my flippant answer was, I'm in the same boat with you. And on one level, that's right, because I find myself in that same spot. But in the other moment, it was, all right, let's just get past this. Let's get past the awkwardness, the uneasiness. Let's just get past the conviction of this moment and of this conversation. Don't do that. After that conversation, I got in the truck, and I was like, that's right now is the worst thing you could say. That's the, that's the dumbest thing that you could do is just, not understand the weight of the moment. Take just a second, River Bend. Just a second. You and I are to respond to the worth of God. He has demonstrated His love. That's who He is. He loves you. 
because of his action, your response is to be that of worship. Your response is to be that of change. So easy for us to just bow our heads because I'm about to ask us to pray. See those come up here and start to sing a song. At the end of the song, take a part of the plate and pass it and then say goodbye and not change. The only reason that God has done everything that he has done is so that you and I would change. That is our response. Heavenly Father, I bow before you and God, I pray. I pray that this attempt to understand your actions of what you did for us by loving us, by giving us your Son, by us being in Him through the Holy Spirit. It was a whole act of the Trinity that, Father, it would challenge us to our core, that there would be this awkward moment, this uneasy moment of what our lives have been about, what's been important. Father, you are worthy. As we sing, would you allow the the words of this song to penetrate our 